Welcome to Day of Destiny with Dr. Michelle Corral, author, prophetic teacher, and pastor of Breath of the Spirit Prophetic Word Center. Dr. Corral can be seen weekly, nationwide, and around the world on her weekly telecasts that air on God TV, Impact, and Word Network. Now, let's join Dr. Corral by experiencing Day of Destiny, designed with your highest destiny in mind. Now, here is Dr. Corral. Have you ever asked the question, why did the king love Esther so much? The Bible tells us that the king loved Esther above all the women. Therefore, he took the royal crown and put it on her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. Now the question arises, is the Bible only speaking of King Ahasuerus? Or is the Bible telling us in the scripture that another king loved Esther above all the women? Hi, I'm Dr. Michelle Corral, and today I am so excited because I believe this is your hour to find favor with the king. I do believe that 2022 is going to be one of the most powerful years of your life. And God is giving us the stepping stones into his perfect will. He is giving us the stepping stones into destiny through the supernatural scriptural secrets that we find here in the book of Esther. You see, beloved saints, the book of Esther is drenched in destiny. And today, I want to share with you the scriptural secrets that we find here in the book of Esther that enable us to find favor with the king. But before we do that, I want to invite you to our very special website just for these teachings. And that website is mydayofdestiny.com. Did you know, beloved, we've provided that you can actually download all of our podcasts that are heard nationwide on several platforms across the United States. You can download them and keep them in your library of, of tapes so that you can learn continuously how to walk in God's divine design of destiny for your life. And also, you can take advantage of one of the special offers we have on our website concerning Secrets of the Anointing. This book is our most recent book, and I want to tell you something about Secrets of the Anointing. Beloved, I do believe that it will change your life. I do believe that Secrets of the Anointing is about to shift you into a new season. You know, when we talk about Esther, we fail to mention that she was drenched in destiny before she went before the king. And how did that happen? Through the anointing. The Bible is very clear. One of the most powerful scriptural secrets that teach us how she found such favor with the king is that the Bible says in Esther chapter 2, verse 12, that when every maid's turn came to go in before King Ahasuerus, they were six months after their days of purification were accomplished, six months in oils of myrrh and six months of sweet spices. Do you actually think that the author of scripture 
is talking about cosmetics, you and I must understand there is actually a code in the book of Esther, several of them. The entire book of Esther is just saturated with secret codes, not esoteric codes that you can't figure out, that you need to be a biblical genius to figure out. But one of the codes is how to find favor with God. And we find this in this special, unbelievable text that she was six months in oil of myrrh and six months in sweet spices. So the question arises, where have we heard these verses before? We've heard these verses in Exodus chapter 30 when Moses was teaching Israel about the anointing oil, that anointing oil that brings one to one's highest stratosphere of, uh, in the spirit, that, the anointing that brings one to one's highest position and place of power. That's why the Bible says in Exodus chapter 30, verse 23, take unto you principal spices, 500 shekels of myrrh and 250 shekels of sweet cinnamon and 250 shekels of sweet calamus, even half so much, and 500 shekels of cassia. And you shall make it a compound. It shall be a compound ointment and it shall be unto me a holy anointing oil. And the Bible says in verse 31, this shall be a holy anointing oil unto you throughout your generations. So we see Mordecai used these very components for the anointing in the book of Esther. When Esther was six months in oil of myrrh, and six months in sweet spices. What was he trying to tell us? He was trying to tell us this woman of God was drenched in destiny. This woman of God was walking in the anointing and he is teaching us through that narrative. You, if you want the anointing, if you want favor, if you want God to open doors of destiny, do not become apathetic. This is not the time to be apathetic. This is not the time to go backwards. This is not the time to lay down your vision. This is not the time to get discouraged. This is the time to arise in the anointing. Awake, awake, put on your beautiful garments. That's what God wants you to do. He wants you to rise up in the anointing and you can find out how to walk in the anointing. When you go to mydayofdestiny.com and beloved saints, you can order my book, Secrets of the Anointing. Now, I want you to pray with me because I believe today there is going to be such an outpouring of the Holy Spirit that there is going to be a break, a shift, a divine turnaround, a break from the past that will launch you into your prophetic word. In the mighty name of Jesus today, Lord, every person across the nation that's hearing this teaching Lord God, and around the world, we come into agreement for one another. We speak in the name of Jesus that the outpouring of the Holy Spirit will be so heavy. Father God, in Jesus' mighty name, upon this 
this line tonight upon this teaching in Jesus name upon this recording God in Jesus mighty name we pray that bondages would break that doors of destiny would open. Lord, I pray that the spirit of prophecy, wisdom, knowledge, and understanding, just like Esther walked in, she had to be drenched in destiny. She had to be submerged in the supernatural. She had to be walking in the anointing because she had a purpose. Her purpose was not just to be a beautiful woman and go before the king. We know, Lord God, there were many other women more beautiful than Esther or just as beautiful as Esther, but God, she was your chosen woman. And God, I give you praise that you're putting your hand on men and women right now, that Father God, this is their hour. They are going to come up into the platform you have prepared for them and nothing is going to stop it in Jesus name. And everyone said, amen and amen. My prayer is that you do not see Michelle Corral, that you do not hear me, that you only hear Jesus, that he is the one who ministers to you. Now, let's begin with the secrets in Shushan that I want to speak to you about as we study finding favor with the king. Let's open our Bibles today to Esther chapter 2. And first, I'm going to begin, beloved saints, with the narrative, and I don't want you to think this is some boring narrative. It has no personal, powerful, prophetic significance for me. Everything in the Bible is personal, powerful, prophetic, and relevant. Do you think God just put this Bible together just so we know it happened? Just so we know events happened? Do we read the Bible like a newspaper? No, beloved. Everything in the Bible that God ordained to be written in this word has something that is personal for every generation. The prophets did not record their entire prophecies. We don't get every prophecy that Jeremiah ever gave. We don't give every prophecy in every word that Isaiah ever spoke. We only get the words of prophecy that scripture wants every generation to know that is going to pertain to our future, to our destiny, and most importantly, to salvation history. I want you to know that every book in the Bible is based on one principle, and that is to lead us to the cross. So let us look, beloved saints, as we see God's word, and we see that God's word is infallible, God's word is inerrant, God's word was not authored by man, that men were the vessels, but it is God breathed. And anyone who says that scripture is just like literature, God help us. Scripture is the divinely inspired, infallible word of God. And I want you to know it is not to be taken lightly. That is why a person who says that's irrelevant, that's in the Old Testament, that's not scripture, or that doesn't have any meaning. Beloved saints, I want you to know everything in the Bible is personal, powerful, prophetic, and relevant. So let's look. Here, let's begin. And we're beginning, going to begin in Esther chapter 2, verse 4. We're taking this out of context. But the Bible says, And let the maiden which pleases the king be queen instead of Ashti. And the thing pleased the king, and he did so. All right. So first of all, I want you to understand that the king in the Hebrew language that is used here, and I want you to understand one of the codes in the book of Esther is the king code. The king code is 
placed there so that we might know the difference between when the author is referring only and solely to King Ahasuerus, King Ahasuerus, the husband of Esther, or when the Bible is referring to the King of Heaven. When the Bible is referring to the King of Heaven, and also, it is definitely in the narrative that that king also includes Ahasuerus. However, we are to know that this is a specific reference to the king of heaven. He does something very powerful as a literary device placed in the word. There is the word Ha-Melech. There is the article Ha before the word Melech, king. And the name of Ahasuerus is not included. So we have, uh, let us look, and the maiden which pleases the king, notice his name is not mentioned, let the, the, the maiden that pleases the king be queen instead of Ashti. And notice, and the thing pleased the king. So the author is focusing on the fact that the one who's actually selecting Esther, that this is not some random selection, but it's a high election, that Esther has been chosen before the foundations of the world, and the one that chose her is not really Ahasuerus. The one that chose her isn't really the earthly king. The one who chose her is the king of heaven. Now let's continue in the context. We see the next verse, and it seems to be a bit insignificant, but it's not. It's really personal and powerful. Looking at verse 5, Now in Shusham the palace, there was a certain Jew whose name was Mordecai, the son of Yair, the son of Shmi, the son of Kish, a Benjaminite. We look at this very brief genealogy and we say, what does that possibly do with me? Who cares whose son is the son of who? But I want you to know, this is a very important genealogy and it is written this way on purpose. Notice the last one that it says, the son of, the Bible says, the son of Shmi, the son of Kish. Who was Kish? Kish in 1 Samuel chapter 9 verse 1 and all throughout 1 Samuel chapter 9 and then also when referring to King Saul. Oftentimes the Bible refers to him as Saul the son of Kish and we know in 1 Samuel chapter 9 verse verses 1 and verse 2, the Bible tells us that Kish had a son who was goodlier than all the others. He was a shoulder higher than all the other high above a goodlier. He, there was no other goodlier person than he. And who was that? That was Saul. But I want you to know something. The Bible sometimes gives us a clue of the author's intent and of some special detail that's left out that should be in the text, that's omitted from the text, so that we would know something is going on here that the Bible wants to teach us down deep under the surface of the words. And what is that? Saul's name is not in this genealogy. And it should be because the most famous Benjaminite who was the actual son of Kish was Saul. But, it, it, but other distant relatives of Saul who were Saul's distant family members are mentioned. Yet we do not have Saul himself. And the reason for that is that scripture has literally deleted Saul from destiny.
I don't know about you, but I don't want to disobey God to such a degree. When he's given me a mandate, when he's put the anointing on me or you, and it is a very heavy thing when the anointing is on our life, when God has given us a mission and given us a mandate and we decide to do our own thing. We're not submitting ourselves to the will of God because the anointing was given to us to be able to do the impossible. And so often God tells us, to do the impossible. He just needs our will to work with. And in this case, Saul did not will to do the will of God. He went against God's grace. And so here we see he disobeyed. And so the whole reason the Jews are up for this genocide order, actually it goes back to Saul. Saul was called by God in his highest in his highest calling of destiny to slay Amalek, to slay Amalek. And instead of slaying Amalek and following the divine orders of God perfectly, he spared King Agag alive. And what do we have later down the line, several centuries later, we have Haman, the son of Hamadatha, the Agagite, who wrote the death decree against the Jews. Now let's go a little further. The Bible says, who had been carried away from Jerusalem with the captivity, who had been carried away with Jeconiah, king of Judah, whom Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, had carried away. And he brought up Hadassah, that is Esther, his uncle's daughter. And she had neither father nor mother, and the maid was fair and beautiful, who when Mordecai, who Mordecai, when her mother and father were dead, took her to be his own daughter. Now, beloved saints, I want you to see why this is so important. First of all, we need to see something that the Bible is teaching us about Mordecai. He brought up Esther like his own daughter. The Bible is here qualifying Mordecai for greatness. He is stepping into the stepping stones for purpose, greatness, and anointing because he claimed Hadassah as his responsibility. He didn't need to, but he did. And this is the qualification for exaltation that we see throughout the scriptures given for those who really want to ascend to their highest dimension of destiny. You and I need to understand one of the qualifications for exaltation into greatness is we've got to learn how to take responsibility for another person. Remember, Remember, Judah took responsibility for Benjamin and Ruth took responsibility for Naomi. And you and I must understand David actually took responsibility for Mephibosheth or Mephibosheth. And it is so important to understand that this quality of hesed, this quality of taking responsibility for another human being, for saying, you know what, they are my responsibility. This comes from this biblical attribute that brings great favor in a life called arevut. Arevut is this connectedness with those that God has put into our life that we say, I'm your responsibility, you're my responsibility. Now, moving a little bit further, let's go into the details that God is giving us concerning Esther. The Bible says, now we're looking at verse eight. 
So it came to pass when the king's commandment and his decree was heard that when the maidens were gathered together to Shushan, the palace, to the custody of Hege, Esther was brought unto the king's house to the custody of Hege, the keeper of the women. And the maiden pleased him, and she obtained kindness of him. And he speedily gave her the things for her purification with such things as belonged to her. Seven maidens, which were meet to be given to her out of the king's house, and he preferred her and her maids to the best place of the house of the women. Let me go over this, beloved saints. First of all, if you don't mind, I'm just going to pop the bubble on the story of Esther being a fairy tale. You and I must understand that the Bible is using this word laka for Esther being taken. Notice the Bible says here, the Bible says here um, in, in uh, Esther chapter 2, the Bible says uh, Esther was brought to the king's house. This word brought really is not brought. It's the word laka, which in Hebrew is the word taken. And then we also see this word taken used again. I'm going somewhere with this. This word used taken, the Bible says uh, if we look in verse 16, so Esther was taken unto King Ahasuerus into his house royal in the 10th month, in the month of Tibet, that is the seventh year of the king's reign. This word taken is very important because we see someone else in scripture who was also taken against their will, and that was Sarah. This is why the book of Esther begins with King Ahasuerus reigning over 127 provinces. We see, why does, the, why does it begin with that? Why doesn't it just say, uh, there was a king by the name of Ahasuerus? No, the text begins to tell us. It came to pass in the days of Ahasuerus, which reigned from India to Ethiopia, even over 127 provinces. Why is 127? so important to the entire document of the document of destiny hidden in the book of Esther. First of all, we need to understand there was someone else that corresponds with 127. Who is that? That is Sarah also. We see that the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 23, verse 1, the Bible tells us all the years of Sarah were 120 seven years. So Sarah lived 127 years. Why is this so spiritually significant? Are we really trying to make something that isn't really happening here? Or is the Bible telling us something about Esther's abduction? Is the Bible telling us this is not a fairy tale. Is the Bible telling us something about Esther that we don't know that, uh, that Mordecai was not able to actually write because after the, um, the ordeal with the dot, with the decree that was written against the Jews and after they received the Yeshua, the deliverance that God had for them, in order not to endanger the Jews when they wrote this Megillah, this scroll, they had to write it a certain way. And they had to write it in a way that lifted up the kingdom of Ahasuerus, but at the same time told the Jews the exact story of what was going on. So here we see 
the 127 provinces corresponding with the years of Sarah, 127 years. And the reason why Sarah is even brought into the picture in the first place is this little word taken, laka. I want you to understand the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 12 that Sarah was taken to the palace, to the house of Pharaoh. She was taken against her will. And why is this, this word lakat used? So that we might understand that Sarah, that Sarah was taken, but also that Esther was taken. The Bible wants us to know she was abducted. She was literally kidnapped. She was brought, she was kidnapped the same way Joseph was kidnapped. Only Joseph was kidnapped with brutal betrayal, but Esther was kidnapped. She was struck, shocked. She was traumatized. She was taken out of her security against her will. She was pulled out of the place of Mordecai's protection and brought down to the house of women. Do you realize what that really meant? It doesn't mean, oh, wow, I'm in this beautiful house. And wow, I get to go before the king. And is it Cinderella or is it Esther? You and I need to realize that every single one of those young girls who were abducted against their will were never going home again. Even if they were not chosen, even if the king, after being with them for one night, put them back in the house of women, the second house of the women, and never saw them again, they could never under any circumstances return to their house. They were now property of the palace. This is what we call human traffic. This is what we call, dear people of God, violation of human rights. But we see it happening here in the book of Esther. The Bible wants us to understand this because there are also moral values in the book of Esther that the Bible wants to show us. The Lord wants us to get out of the fairy tale syndrome when we read the book of Esther and understand number one, there is a morality being taught to the church when we read the book of Esther, a social morality, a morality of taking responsibility for other human beings, a morality on life and the dignity of every human being in life and that no under no conditions do we have a do we have permission to violate another person to take them captive against their will and to bring them to a place that is very unfamiliar to them to traumatize them to separate them from their families they will never see their family again to bring them in unto a king they never met before in their life to have to be with that king the entire night and then to bring them back that if they're throwaways then they go into the secondary house of the women and then beloved people I want you to understand they live the rest of their lives in this isolation so why did God allow Esther to go through this why is this happening have you ever been in a situation that you say God I don't understand it I feel like I'm being distanced from my destiny God why did you let this happen in my life you know beloved saints I want you to know that every person that's ever ascended up the up the platform that God has prepared for their purpose they went through something I want you to understand this is not a picnic okay Esther is in the darkest days of her life I want you to understand when she was taken to the house of the women, this was not some party she's going to. And the Bible is using this word hesed. The Bible is using this word kindness. The Bible is using this word favor. So we want to know why did Esther get so much favor in the house just as Joseph got 
favor in the house of the Egyptian. So is Esther getting favor in this house of the women. Why, beloved saints? Well, we have to see the secret of this word favor because Hebrew words have concepts behind them. I want you to know there's no such thing as a Hebrew word without a concept. And you see, it's the most articulate language because it's the language God used to write most of the Bible. And so it's so important that we understand the concepts behind the words. So we see this word hesed. This word hesed also means loving kindness. It really means love in action. There are two words for love. One of the words for love is the word ahava in Hebrew. And then there is also this word hesed, which also means love. But hesed is the kind of love that is never expecting anything in return that looks for someone to minister to. This is the kind of love Abraham had. He is the patriarch of hesed. And this is the kind of love Ruth had. Now, I want you to understand, what does hesed, kindness, showing kindness to others, have to do with favor? Because it's the same word. When you show kindness to someone, it's a boomerang. Boomerang, it goes right back to you. This is the secret of the scroll of Esther. When you read the book of Esther and you say, wow, Esther, all, Esther had favor, but also Ruth had favor also. And we say, how did these women get such favor in their life? How is it that Boaz fell in love with Ruth? How is it that Ruth is redeemed from this life of sorrow and this life of, of pain from the death of Malon? And how is it that Esther in this place that, it, that is just like a pit to her. It's a place of separation. It's a place of isolation. This word hesed is used. Why? Because when Esther goes into that place, she's not thinking about Esther. She's thinking about all the other girls that have been kidnapped. The other girls who are going to have to go before the king one night, a man they never met before, a man they don't even know. They're going to have to go for one night before the king. They're going to, if the king finds pleasure, let me just read what the Bible says so you know that I'm not just saying something that you understand we're talking about human traffic here. Uh, the Bible says in verse 13, thus when... Uh, when thus every maid's turn came to go into the king, whatsoever she desired was given to her out of the king's house of the women unto the king's house. And in the evening she went, and on the morrow she returned into the second house of the women to the custody of Shagaz, the king's chamberlain, which kept the concubines. And uh, when she came in um, to the king, she came into the king no more except the king delighted in her than she was called by name. So this means if this is just some innocent little girl that uh, the king um, in some violated way took this girl, we must understand she was brought back into the house of the women and mostly never called on again and could never return. To her mama, could never return to her daddy, could never return um, to 
outside the house of the women. This is a very corrupt society. This is a very corrupt empire. This is a, an empire that the Bible wants us to see is void of any form of morality. And why are we seeing this? Because any king that could write a death decree, we must understand that this genocide order is not just some little order that was written against the Jews. We must understand that Haman was the very first Adolf Hitler. There is no question about it. He hated the Jews. And the reason he hated them was not just their ethnicity. I want you to understand he hated the God of the Jews. If you have ever listened to some of Adolf Hitler's statements about the Jews, it will make your skin crawl. Why? Because he says, um, that they brought, oh God, to help us as I communicate this, because, because this is very grievous to even have to say. But if you notice what he said, he said they brought evil into the world, uh, this thing called conscience. I want you to understand who is Hitler mocking? Is he mocking the Jews or is he mocking the God of the Jews that they got their conscience through the Bible? And so it's very important that we understand the structure of the book of Esther, which shows the society, the moral conscience that a society should have, what's right and what's wrong. And we see that Haman writes this death decree because uh, Mordecai does not bow to him. So now all Jews, stereotyping, all Jews must die because he did not bow to me. And then we see that the king signs the death decree without even investigating. And after the death decree is signed, they both go out. And let me just read to you what happens because you can just conclude for yourself. The Bible says the post went out being hastened by the king's commandment and the decree was given in Shushan the palace and the king and Haman sat down to drink. But the city of Shushan was perplexed. What do you mean? The king sat down with Haman to drink after they signed the death decree. Does that sound a little familiar? Have you ever seen in the Holocaust documents or in the Holocaust movies that uh, the SS will just sit down, have a nice cup of whatever they're going to drink, listening to Bach and Beethoven while Jews are in Auschwitz and where there's no conscience about it. So we need to understand the book of Esther is developing the conscience of a society. The book of Esther is raising the level of the human person that we must understand that from, from the moment of conception to death, a natural death, that each person has a human dignity and is worth much in the eyes of God. Now, beloved saints, as we continue in the context, we must see that Esther is going to show Hesed. She is showing tremendous Hesed to these girls. She doesn't care about herself. She is just ministering to these young girls, and she's actually coming into a place of tremendous development. She's actually coming into her destiny because the Bible is going to change her name. Her name is no longer going to be Hadassah. Her name is really now going to be changed to Esther. And we know this, saints. We see which, which person is she. Is she Hadassah 
or is she Esther? When she goes to the house of the women, the Bible changes her name. Only one time she's called Hadassah, but when she gets into the house of the women, she's called Esther. This is her destiny name. And I want you to know that through showing hesed, which means favor, now by showing kindness, favor is coming upon her. And I want you to understand something. There's a little secret here that God also wants you to know. Not having mother, not having father. So often there may be those of you listening today that say, you know what? I've got a huge detriment against my destiny. I feel like I can never succeed. I never knew my father. Or some of you can say, you know what? My mother just had it in for me. I don't know why. I just feel like I can't connect in this world. Or maybe there's someone who says, you know what? I never knew my father. He rejected me. Or some of you may say, my mother and my father just left me as a child and I was raised by my grandparents. Whatever the case may be, you might think that's a detriment to your life. You should start laughing right now. Because let me tell you something, when I say laugh, I mean laugh with laughter, with joy. Do you know why? Because this is why God chose Esther. I want you to know something. There is favor that shouldn't be given. Maybe you didn't realize this. You should have been in another place with your background. You should not be where you are now. Your children should not be where they are now. There are things happening in your life that you say, why did God bless me with this? I'm so blessed. I'm blessed with this job. I'm blessed with this family. I'm blessed with these children. What, what is God doing? I'm blessed with this career. I'm blessed with this ministry. You may be asking God, why did God give me this? It's because you and Esther have a lot in common. You see, Esther had neither mother nor father. And this is one of the reasons why the heart of God was so endeared to Esther. I want you to know there's no such thing as a handicap to heaven's purpose. I want you to know this is not a detriment to destiny. This is actually a stepping stone to destiny. And so here we see that now Esther, who was known as Hadassah, is now becoming Esther. And then we see because of this hesed that she's showing, hesed meaning favor. And we're seeing the concept of favor beginning with hesed. That we see now the second supernatural step into finding favor with the king is not only showing hesed to others when we need to be, have hesed shown to us that at the moment of our pain, um, we're reaching out to others to minister to them, to comfort them. And this is why we say God uses our pain to train for greatness. And here we see Esther uh, allowing herself to be a vessel uh, in that place. And now we see the second supernatural secret and stepping stone to finding favor with the king, and that is the anointing. We see that Esther is going to be supernaturally submerged in the supernatural. Here we see Beloved saints, the Bible says in verse 12, now when every man's turn was come to go into King, uh, every maid's turn was come to go into King Ahasuerus, after that she had been 12 months in manner, uh, which is after the manner of women, so were the days of their purification accomplished, six months with oil of myrrh and six months with sweet odors and other things for the purifying of women. I want you to know that this purifying 
is something also that we must see. The word that is used here is the word tamrik in Hebrew, which means that her heart is becoming so pure before God. But we are also seeing that she's being drenched in the anointing. We are seeing that it is the anointing. This is where she is receiving the appointing. And why is the Bible focusing so much on this verse, six months in oil of myrrh and six months in sweet spices? Because when we read in Exodus chapter 30, we must understand, dear people of God, that in Exodus chapter 30, we see the anointing of, of oil that was used for the kings. And we are seeing that Queen Esther, she is queen all right. But the question arises, is she really just queen of Persia or does she have royalty from another place. And we need to understand that the moment is going to come when Esther has to decide which royalty should she select. Is she the queen of Persia? Should that come first? Or is she the royal descendant of King Saul who is going to finish what Saul forfeited. And the Bible is showing us her real royalty right here. Just as Saul was anointed with the same kind of oil that Esther was anointed with, that the Bible speaks of in Exodus chapter 30, verse 23, and throughout the text to verse 32, we see Esther is also anointed with these oils so that we might understand she was put on this earth to finish what Saul forfeited, and that is to bring down Amalek. She's going to bring down Amalek, who is Haman, not by her beauty, not by her wit, not by her charm, but through the anointing. And God wants you to know today that every enemy is going to be subject to your feet, no matter how strong that principality no matter how strong that power, if you are walking in the anointing, you have dominion over all powers of darkness. The Bible says in Psalm 89, I have found my servant David with my holy oil. I have anointed him. The son of wickedness, verse 22 says, shall not afflict him. The enemy shall not exact upon him, nor shall the son of wickedness afflict him. What does that mean? That means that the anointing cannot rob you. It cannot garnish anything from your life. The enemy cannot garnish anything from your life. The anointing is a protection. The anointing is a shield. The anointing is a safeguard. This is why the Bible tells us when Saul was slain in the valley of Gilboa, David in his prophetic lamentation reveals the secret why he was slain. The Bible says the shield of the mighty is cast vilely away. The shield of Saul as though he had not been anointed with oil because the anointing is a shield. The anointing is a protection. And this is what Esther was immersed in before she went before the king. Today, dear people of God, I want you to know that when Esther went before the king in verse 15, the Bible tells us she required nothing. This means she needed nothing but the anointing. That's all she needed. This is why she didn't take any jewels with her. All the women got to pick out crowns, jewels, jewelry. They got to pick out anything to beautify them before they went before the king. But the Bible tells us in Esther 2, verse 15, Esther required nothing 
Why? Because the Bible says, Jesus said, when you go, take nothing with you for your journey, except the staff in your hand. What's the staff? The staff is the authority of the superiority of the anointing. We must also see, beloved saints, that the Bible tells us David took nothing in his hand but a sling and five five little stones. He took nothing in his hand. I want you to understand you don't need anything except the anointing. The Bible tells us that the widow woman whose sons were taken into bondage, Elisha said, what do you have? And he said, thy, she said, thy handmaiden has nothing in the house but a pot of oil. If you've got the oil, you've got everything. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, today we give you praise and we give you thanks. We ask you that today these two scriptural secrets, stepping stones into destiny on how we find favor with the king. Lord, also this third secret of knowing that we need nothing with us except the anointing. Lord God, we give you praise and we give you glory and we ask you now, that every person that is finding favor with the king will know that favor is found with the king when we show love to others, that when we ourselves are in pain, God, that we allow ourselves to be poured out for the needs of others as Esther was in the house of the women. Secondly, Lord, we know that we must walk in that highest appointing with our highest anointing, that the anointing is what breaks the yoke. And it's through the anointing that Esther found favor with the king. We saw that, Lord, in Esther 2, verse 12. And thirdly, Lord, we see that when we go into the place of promise, we don't need anything except the anointing. Lord, if we are depending on ourselves, on our righteousness, on our looks, on our ability, on our smartness, on our intelligence, on who we know, on how much money we have, who we have associated with, we might as well wrap it up. But Lord, if we are coming with nothing to depend on but the anointing, we have come to a great place. Make us dependent upon you the way Esther was. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen and amen. Beloved saints, I thank you so much for joining us today. And I really want to invite you to mydayofdestiny.com so that you can download these podcasts and you can get them and have them for your records, for your learning time, for your own library. But also, beloved saints, I want to direct you to our ministry website, breathofthespirit.org. And you know, when you go to breathofthespirit.org, you can push the donate button and become part of our family. You know, the Bible teaches us that there was a secret with the woman of Zarephath. The widow at Zarephath was at her last and final, uh, final meal. But you know what? By giving, she shifted her season and she came in to a place of divine multiplication through her seed, 
that she sowed. I want you to know when you sow to Breath of the Spirit Ministries, you are sowing into the lives of children in Masaka, Uganda every day that need to eat. You are sowing into their medical care. You are sowing into their well-being and education. You are also sowing into orphans in Kampala, Uganda as well. You are sowing into uh, the body of Christ in Pakistan. You are sowing in India to our wonderful friends who live in India who are so close to the areas of persecution and the pastors that we support on a weekly basis. And you support our project, Operation Hunger. You also support multiple works in the Philippines, children in the mountains, 23 children that have been street victims that have now received shelter in the places we support and the places we support weekly. You support squatters, you provide their food, you provide grocery, and also to the abandoned elderly. The works go on and on, as well as many works of the persecuted church around the world and our latest church, uh, our latest project, Nazir Children's Home. We invite you, dear ch child of God, sow your seed today. You can do it by going to breathofthespirit.org. That's breathofthespirit.org. Push the donate button and the PayPal platform will come up for you. Or if you really would like to just quickly sow your seed, you can go to, you can sow it on PushPay and just text the number HESED, C-H-E-S, E-D, just text HESED, C-H-E-S-E-D, to the number 77977. That's 77977. We love you, God bless you, and we will see you very soon. We love you and see you soon. Thank you for joining us today on Day of Destiny. We invite you to our website at mydayofdestiny.com where you can easily access other podcasts and obtain your copy of Dr. Corral's latest book, Secrets of the Anointing. Also, we want to take this moment to invite you to engage in extending your hand of kindness by planting your seed or offering for multitudes that include orphans, providing water wells, providing medical supplies, clinics, feeding programs, and many other services to the suffering church and through efforts of evangelism worldwide. Just go to our website and click the donate button or text to give. Text HESED, C-H-E-S-E-D, to 7797. That's HESED, C-H-E-S-E-D, to 7797. You are also invited to visit Dr. Michelle Corral Facebook or Instagram. We look forward to having you encounter the anointing with us on our next Day of Destiny podcast.